Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Well, hi everyone. Welcome to this week's Geek Thyself. Hello. Uh, this this was going to be last week's Geek Thyself, uh, but technology. Just <laughs> yeah, so we're just doing a little bit technology. Basically, just had to shuffle everything around a little bit. Eh, it happens, but we're here now. We're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. It's all good. But that's my. That's also why we said in the last one. Uh, it's a couple of weeks since we talked about doing an anime episode, and then, 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 then. yeah. But mm-hmm. it's all good. We're here. We still wanted to cover this topic specifically in February, because February is Black History Month over there. Yes, yeah, it's Black History Month over here in the U.S. For any of our international yes. listeners, um, yeah, and I I think it's important because I don't think enough people know enough about it, especially even in my own country. Which makes me very sad. Um. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I think it's even though every pretty much every country has a Black History Month at some point or time, you know, to, to remember it all. Uh, yeah, I think it's not given enough of the respect that it probably needs and deserves. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I mean, I definitely don't know as much as I probably should, uh, even though I consider myself fairly open and don't have an issue with anyone I still don't know all of the things that we're about to talk about today mm-hmm. yeah well and I mean it's something over here where the US a lot of different stations and channels on mm-hmm. TV and stuff will have Black History Month so they'll basically do more movies or more documentaries or talking more about yeah. African American culture and some of sure. the thing, the hardships that they face and things like that. But okay, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like so many things out there that have sort of their one month of a of the year. People kind of pay attention for the one month, and then it doesn't get and talked about enough about after it, that, which is disappointing mm-hmm. because you know the suffering of a whole nation of people, which is never great should you know should maybe be a bit more prevalent so we don't you know continue to do that thing that'd be good yeah and i would absolutely absolutely love to be able to say that it's not still a thing over here at all oh well i mean so but... Do I, but unfortunately i mean not gonna get too political here but brexit was about making stronger borders because people having the opinion that immigrants are taking jobs and all that kind of thing. And I know it's not exactly the same subject, but it comes from the same root hate. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, maybe dislike discomfort. for people that Whatever are different. Words. Yeah. Which is un- yeah. extremely unfortunate. Also, and I feel like I'm allowed to say this since I'm half British, I think it's really mm-hmm. funny that British people were so against immigrants coming in, considering how many times they were conquered throughout their history. So Basically, yeah. most British people are a mishmash of a lot of different other European countries anyway, because they got conquered mm. a lot. Yeah, yeah, we... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, but then we also did have the British Empire. Also there, that is So, 
Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, you, you know, got conquered a lot. You learned from your mistakes and then went out and did it to other people. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Although I can't say yeah, America no. hasn't. Let me just be clear. No. <laughs> Let me be clear. No. Uh, I mean, <laughs> okay. So with that small tangent, but it's small. still related. Uh, I mean, it's smaller than our normal ones. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. With that small tangent, but very still related. Yes, we'll talk about the American Civil Rights. Act, I think. That's what it's called. The American Civil okay. Rights Movement. Movement. The, the Civil Rights. Uh, there were Civil Rights Acts. The Civil Rights Acts okay. were specifically laws that were put through that changed the way life was for African Americans. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if that all came about because of this movement. Yes. Or at least some bits of it came about because of this movement. Yes, you are correct. So the for anyone who's not familiar with it, or for any Americans listening who maybe don't know as much about American history as they would like to, uh, the American Civil Rights Movement specifically dealt with civil rights for African Americans um, yes. during that time frame. And it's some of the roots of it kind of started in the 1940s, but really... It's recognized as primarily being from, looking at my notes. Yeah, from 1954 to 1968. Yes. So 14 years, I think, if my math is That's sort of the core of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And the reason this is considered the core of the civil rights movement is because the very first... Um, legislation or ruling really because it was a court case that went through um, was in 1954 and then the final uh, civil rights act during that time of 1968 was sort of the one final big step for the civil rights movement and that happened in 1968 also Martin Luther King was assassinated in 1968 and so that kind of put an end on it yeah a little bit just a bit so yeah i guess we should probably talk a little bit about that court case then yeah yeah that's a good place to start so the court case that sort of started the whole thing dealt with the separate but equal doctrine that had been established so uh for Again, for anyone who's not familiar with it, separate but equal was this thing they did way back when here in the U.S. in like the 40s and 50s where basically they had segregated schools and segregated everything. Yeah, so basically the the basic concept of the, the rule is that yes, everyone's still entitled to education, mm-hmm. but they're taught separately uh, in hopefully similar standards but you've also got to take into consideration that the teachers at the schools for african-americans could have had a harder time getting those qualifications and could also be less or in the the eyes of like school boards less influential teachers or whatever Mm -hmm. so and then if there are just if there are caucasian teachers there they could also not like there because that's what people were like in their 50s or at least some of them 
and maybe they didn't give the best teachings. Either way, it was a bad system. Yeah, I mean, ultimately the decision of the court case um, was that you can't have two things that are completely separate and still have them actually be equal, which... Yeah, that's... Is true. Yeah, (laughs) because if they're separate, there's going to be defining differences between them. It just has to be. They, they can't be equal. Yeah, so the court uh, case... And nor, sh- and nor should those things be separated anyway, because that's not how life is. Yeah, also true. Yeah. Um, the court case, for anyone who wants to look it up to find out more information, is called usually referred to as Brown v. Board of Education. Um, it had yes. to do with a father, um, whose last name was Brown, and his yes. daughter... Um, and his family in general lived in an area where there wasn't a African-American school nearby. So his daughter and several other African-American students in the area basically had to travel across town to go to school because they weren't allowed to go to the white school that was down the road. Which sounds ridiculous because if it's supposed to be equal and fair, that doesn't sound equal and fair off the bat, does it? Not, no, not particularly. And yeah, so, she's like, oh yeah, that school, that school on your street, yeah, you can't go there. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. Su- super, super fair, super fair, super, super cool. So he and uh, uh, 12 other parents got together and mm-hmm. basically went up against the school board of the area. Uh, and yes. eventually they did win the Supreme Court. Yeah, it, was... it got so far, it had to go to the Supreme Court for them to decide. Um, but I will say, and you know this makes me happy they unanimously decided no this is not separate but equal that's not possible this particular thing you're trying to separate and make equal can't be done so clearly this is not constitutional and we're getting rid of it because it goes in the face of equality yeah absolutely uh this was (laughs) i don't think we mentioned where this was this happened in uh topoka topoka topeka Topeka. Uh, it's okay. The U.S. has a lot of weird place names. True. I mean, and it's in Kansas, so yeah. I, I can say that one, unless <laughs> I say Arkansas, which isn't right for some no. reason. No, no, it's Arkansas. Don't ask me why doesn't the S is any, silent on that doesn't one. Make, doesn't make any sense. It's fine. Uh, although um, I do have to say another thing on this this uh, board of Supreme Court judges for a group of older Caucasian gentleman to decide that this is unfair and needs to change I've got to say that's a good thing you know mm-hmm. at least at least from that perspective you know it's nice that every single one of them at least uh, agreed that that shouldn't be a thing yes. good job of being unbiased and you know doing doing the thing yay mm-hmm. yeah no, hard, heartily agree. It, it was a really good thing that they did. And at the time, not necessarily something that most people thought would happen. Um, so that was, that was in 1954, that ruling. And that sort of kick-started the following years that, and the different bills and acts that were passed in order to provide better civil rights and more equal rights for African Americans here in the U.S. Um, and one thing that is important to note is that part of the reason these were these new laws being passed and the civil rights movement in general was so necessary was because of something referred to as Jim Crow laws. Um, the Jim Crow laws were crappy, to say the least. <laughs> they, 
there are laws that were put into place after the abolition of slavery. So sure. after the Civil War, after we got rid of slavery and African Americans were actually given rights and not treated like property. Um, yeah. A lot of states... And in, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so would this be after their vote was three-fifths of a person or no? Or was it around that kind of time? Um, I, I, I believe it was around the same time. Um, okay. I think the three... I'm trying to remember the three-fifths law. Hold on, let me double check. Because... While we're on this topic, that's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> uh, I know it's disgusting. No, yeah, now while you're looking at it, you're like, how can somebody be worth three-fifths of someone? Uh, yeah, uh, so the three-fifths that... compromise had to do with slavery, specifically. Yeah, it yeah. happened... Um, okay. it, it was actually... and I'm, It makes me so sad to say this. So the three-fifths law, for anyone who's, again, not as familiar with their American history as I am... I had to look up the dates on this one, but I, I knew what it was, just not the years. So it actually happened during the 19, or excuse me, 1787 United States Constitutional Convention, where they were deciding the actual United States Constitution after or and or during, you know, kind of, it kind of happened all throughout, but the yeah. official ruling was 1787. And okay. the rule the law that they it was a compromise it's, it's often called the three-fifths compromise and the reason is because um it was the northern states who weren't slavery states and didn't really like slavery compromising yeah. with the southern states who had a lot of slaves and a lot of slavery um on their voting power Sure. Because for obvious reasons, since they were trying to create a democracy, the voting power was going to be based off of the number of people in your states. Well, because they wanted more voting power, the southern states wanted each of their slaves to count as a full person for their voting power in the Congress. But they couldn't vote. Correct. Correct. Oh. Yeah, okay, yep, right. Yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Right. I have an issue with that too, but uh -huh. fine, carry on. <laughs> oh, trust me, you're not the only one. Um, so basically, um, it was the southern states wanted them to count as a full person only for the purposes of how much, like how many seats they would get in the Congress and how much voting not power Not so they, they could actually vote. No, not so that their slaves could actually vote, just because they wanted the white slave owners to have more voting power in the Congress. Yeah. And um, ultimately, the compromise that was reached in order to, like, get everybody to calm down and come to a consensus and agreement because they needed the Constitution to be finalized right. was the three-fifths compromise. And it was that every three out of five slaves would count. Uh, I, I know. Mean, I know. All of that situation is just sucky. I know. <laughs> it's all just sucky. I don't like it. I, and I don't, I don't know if anyone like can hear the, like, just sadness in my voice that this is a thing. But this was a thing at the time. Yeah. And, I yeah, mean. that's hella sucky. Don't yeah. like that. Yeah, I know. But we're talking about the things that are invited to improve things, although we are already at a mid roll time, which is fine. I mean, it's no fine. one is it's surprised by this. No one is surprised by this. <laughs> yeah, so, no way. 
that particular thing doesn't have to do specifically with the civil rights movement, but I do think it no. gives a very, very good backdrop for some of the reasons why African-Americans wanted equality so badly. I mean, historically, they were treated like three-fifths of a person. <laughs> yeah. And even when they were treated like that, those three-fifths couldn't vote. No. No, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's all they've messed up. But we're about mm-hmm. to get into some things that at least helped, you know, 200 years later. Mm-hmm. Thanks to some very, very good people. Okay, but we'll carry on that talk after a very quick break. Yep. And we'll be back in just a minute. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey guys, and welcome to the mid-roll on Hello. hopefully a better topic Well, the other half of the thing. We'll <laughs> carry on. Okay, so first we have World Anvil. Yes. Uh, question mark? Yes. <laughs> so we're going to start off by talking about World Anvil, which is an amazing campaign management and world building online software. There's all sorts of features that you can use to build up your world. You can create sort of a wiki of your world, whether it's for a story you're writing or if you're a dungeon master and you want to flesh out your world for your players and give them a place where they can go look up different characters and different spots in the world you've created. For either of those things, it's amazing. Um, of course, the people over at World Anvil are also Anvil. Wow. Pleh. The people over at World Anvil are also amazing. Janet Demetrius, who run it, are great. And they're constantly rolling out new features that give you more things you can do. Um, you can sign up for free. There's a, a basic account that's free that still has a lot of amazing features. And then if you try it out and decide that you just love it and you want access to some of those new, upgraded, and amazing features they keep coming out with, then you can sign up for a paid membership at that point and join the guild. So Absolutely. Yeah, it's worldanvil.com, and we definitely recommend you check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Other amazing people that we'd like to talk about include the Die Hard Dice over at Castle Die Hard at dieharddice.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, as in their name, they have wonderful, stupendous little good dice with the good clicky clacky math rocks that all D&D players love so mm-hmm. very much. Uh, they pride themselves on their metal dice, which they created their molds for. They do so much color testing for the colors they produce for them. And there we are, just a little bit of ASMR mm-hmm. They sound so pretty. They do. They do. The, they're super readable, which is great for dice because I've had dice that just you can't even see the numbers on them. Mm-hmm. They're super cool. They're always trying new designs, like with their brimstone dice, where they have multiple colors in the actual inked dice uh, numbers which are gorgeous they've got the spellbinder series with the dual colors in the dice which mix so gorgeously they have their moonstone set which are their uh, polymer dice their acrylic dice which shine like a stone it's they're gorgeous i love my set they're amazing uh they have great accessories like the scroll of rolling which i'll keep talking about because it's amazing it's just D portably they've also got the dual score following, which I keep seeing on Twitter, and I can't wait until it actually comes out. I'm super excited for that uh, because it means you can carry like four dice sets from mm-hmm. just the fact there's an extra compartment for them, which is super good for all of your fireball needs. DMs, you know, fireball is the way to go. <laughs> so, yeah, you can have a look through their store. If you do find anything that you'd like, you can use the code Geek Thyself to get 15% off your first or next order. That's 1515. 
Oh yeah. So saying that, if you want to roll with the best, all you need to do is go to dieharddice.com. And they're amazing. We love them very much. <laughs> yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And with all that said, with our lovely people being talked about, we'll get back into some other lovely people putting an end to at least some non-lovely things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good way of saying it. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you in a second, guys. <laughs> okay. okay, and welcome back to the Civil Rights Movement. Yes, so um, moving forward with actually discussing the Civil Rights Movement itself. Yes. Um, a lot of the Civil Rights Movement and the subsequent laws that were passed throughout those mm-hmm. years were specifically designed to combat some of the Jim Crow laws that had been created. Yes. Um, Which we talked briefly about on the uh, in the first half. Yes. Yeah, very briefly. But the Jim Crow laws were put into place, um, so backing up history-wise a little bit, in 1868, the 14th Amendment was added to the Constitution after the Civil War, and it gave African Americans equal protection under the law. And then Whoa. in... 1870, two years later, the 15th Amendment granted them the right to vote. Yes. However, yes. However, yes. for a lot of people, particularly Caucasian slash white, whatever terminology you want to use, people, mm-hmm. and especially in the South, who were very, very, very unhappy that these African Americans were now being treated as equal when a few years ago they were their slaves and their property. Uh, they didn't like oh, it. Yeah. Don't so like in in order to marginalize the African Americans and make them have less power and give more power to the people who were white in the area, a lot of southern states started to pass what became referred to as Jim Crow laws. And these laws were specifically established throughout the late 19th century, so the end of 1800s through the beginning of the 1900s, and they created environments where African-Americans were very clearly treated as lesser. Um, But they were state laws. They weren't federal laws. And because it was a state law, um, unless somebody went up against it to try to argue that it was unconstitutional and everything, there wasn't necessarily a lot the federal government could do at the time. No. And the fact is, is doing that kind of thing would cost, I'm sure, a lot of money, Mm -hmm. which people especially if they're already being marginalized, aren't going to have the money to do. Correct. Well, and some of the things that were passed were also laws that would limit the African-Americans' right to vote, which yes. went against the 15th Amendment, but it was they, they wouldn't specifically say it was African-Americans they were targeting. So they would... Yeah. Sometimes they would. Other some of the laws failed. did say it. Yeah. But a lot of them would say things like, oh, well, you know, if you're going to vote, you have to have X, Y, and Z. And one of X, Y, and Z would be something that African-Americans couldn't get. So technically, they weren't saying African-Americans couldn't vote. But, well, you can't get this thing you need to vote, so now you can't vote. Yeah, it's they would, shady. They did stuff it's like that. It's shady at best. It it's really shady was. at best. But yeah. Yeah. And so the civil rights movement was, uh, in particular, was pushing back against some of those laws that were clearly unconstitutional, but at the time hadn't been really fought yet. 
So we, t we talked about the separate but equal situation that was resolved by Brown v. Board. And then as you continue on, um, we're, we're going to have to go through these kind of quick. There's a lot of yeah. laws that were passed, and mm -hmm. obviously we don't want you guys to be here forever. <laughs> no. But I think the one we probably should talk about a little bit is Rosa Parks, because their, situa yeah, their situation is probably maybe something you likely would have heard of a bit more, or more likely to have heard of, uh, which basically is that in some of these uh, states, especially in uh, Alabama... Yeah, this yeah. particularly was in um, Montgomery, Alabama area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the buses, uh, although there were seatings uh, for both, uh, for everyone, uh, all uh, African-American people had to sit at the back, and if Caucasian or white people or whatever needed seats, those those areas for uh, African-Americans Afri uh, African would get smaller and smaller until if, if all those seats were taken by Caucasian people, they have to stand, which is totally disgusting. And they weren't the only people to think so. Uh, there's uh, a 15-year-old high school student, uh, Claudette Calvin, refused to give up her seat for a white passenger on a public bus. And Rosa Parks did the same thing. Uh, after that, uh, Parks became a symbol. Uh, became the symbol of uh, resulting Montgomery bus boycott and received a uh, national privilege to she was like how's the mother of the civil rights movement mm -hmm. yeah and that happened in 1955 to 1956 and then in 1956 in the case Browder versus Gale um, the bus segregation was ruled unconstitutional and therefore abolished yes which is all kind of good uh And then as you continue on, I mean, there's a lot of, of course, even not even just in the U.S., but just world famous um, activists. Martin Luther King Jr., of course, is at the top of the list. If you haven't heard of Martin Luther King Jr., you know, even if you don't know a lot about him, if you haven't heard the name or don't know at least roughly who he is, then I don't know where you've been living. Um, and another one that's possibly a little less known, um, but still to a degree infamous, is Malcolm X, because his his methods were a little more aggressive, whereas Martin Luther King was very much preaching a peaceful way. So things like passing the laws that would fix things. Yes. Uh, and was so effective at rallying people that unfortunately got assassinated. Yes, and yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, Voting Rights Act of 1965. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, what that was about is, again, trying to stop some of the Jim Crow laws, the Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws, which basically meant that voting became significantly harder or even completely impossible mm -hmm. for African Americans. And basically, this was, I think that was the start of basically pushing it, like you said, to be contested on a national, federal level, as opposed Correct. to being a yeah. state role. Yeah. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 
was um, basically federal legislation that made it so that the United States government itself and not just the different states would be sort of overseeing the voting and making sure that there was no racial discrimination in the voting and things like that. So that was a very important one because one of the things that would happen was that a lot of African Americans would be prevented from going to vote. Even if they had the right to vote, there were things people would do, like um, you know, white people would stand near the African Americans voting spot because they had one that was separate <laughs> quite often. Um, but they would stand near there and they would often, they wouldn't necessarily actually attack somebody. I'm sure they did sometimes at least, but they but would the th- stand the there threat. and be threatening. Yeah, the threat of it was enough to draw people away. Exactly. You know, if if you're an African-American woman on her lunch break and you want to go vote and you're trying to walk over to the voting place and as you go over there, you see three huge white guys with brass knuckles and baseball bats, you're not going to go vote. No. You're just not. And so they prevented people from voting just through intimidation, Mm -hmm. even beyond actual physical violence. Absolutely. Uh, Which... Yeah, those laws basically made that were actually punishable, which is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a a lot of different voting laws um, and civil rights acts that were passed. There's um, the Civil Rights Act of 1957, which sort of reinforced the separate but equals not a thing anymore law. The Civil Rights Act of 1960... Um, kicked off the voter registration polls and everything situation. Um, And then, like, of course, like you just said, in 1965, the actual Voter Rights Act was passed. Um, In 1964, the Civil Rights Act passed that year, dealt with labor law, so making sure that you couldn't um, not hire based off of race or gender or anything like that. Um, And then in 1968, the final law, that was passed um, during this time frame specifically dealt with fair housing. So it meant that you couldn't discriminate against someone who was of a particular race or gender and things like that when looking to provide housing. Because one of the things that would happen was that a lot of um, Caucasians or white people, again, whatever term you want to use, I can use them both. Yeah, but But uh, the basic gist is that they were just deny pe- mm-hmm. uh, African Americans, people of color, the the right to like lease uh, properties and stuff like that. Uh, Correct. R- Correct. They could. They might have a family apply that was African American that met every requirement, made plenty of money, would have no problem paying yeah. for their rent or whatever. But, but they still would, would deny them. Yeah, they would refuse to let them rent in that particular building, and they would. They would. Sometimes say it was because they were African-American. Sometimes they would make up an excuse. Yeah. You know, it depended on the person. Absolutely. But they would deny them the right to live there. And at, at its core, it was because they were African-American. And yes. the Fair Housing Act made that illegal. Yes. Uh, so if you were found doing it or there was enough evidence like, to suggest that is the only reason that that person didn't get the place, then, yeah, they, they could actually get into legal trouble with that as well. Although mm-hmm. it didn't stop everyone because... There are so many loopholes that always got people can can you know get through, but it made it harder, which is the whole point. Right, and keep in mind too, this was 1968, so 
granted, this is sort of the core of the civil rights movement, but there are more things that happened after that have continued to make things a little better, um, you know, as we go on. And, you know, unfortunately, things are not perfect still. There are a lot of African-Americans do still experience racism and some and prejudice and obviously it's not something I personally have to deal with but I do know people who have and I can just see it in our society that it happens it's not something I agree with and um, I think it's very unfortunate that it's there I do what I can to not be that person um, and not encourage it and not support it in any way shape or form but it is still out there. And it's not always aimed at African-Americans anymore either. It gets aimed at a lot of different racial groups, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Without getting into politics. <laughs> yeah. That sort of thing, as we already said, in 1968, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Uh, I did actually look it up. Uh, it was a day after he's, I've been to been on to the mountaintop sermon. So it, mm-hmm. it was the it was the next day that he was assassinated. Uh, obviously, that was a big blow to the the leadership of the civil rights movement, which is kind of why it started to to fall away. It only had one other march planned after that time, which was led by uh, oh, what was the name? I just looked at it. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, Reverend Ralph Albanati, uh, Albanati, I don't know how to say that, but uh, they led the, the last uh, march for it, and uh, the quote here is that the march went forward under under their under their plain, uh, plain spoken leadership, but did not achieve its goals. So, and unfortunately, that is kind of where the the big, and like the big march movement, all all of it happening started to slow down obviously that's not where all the changes that have happened throughout the years which is good like mm-hmm. you know. yeah but that that was sort of the big end of the main core of the civil rights movement that happened during the 50s and 60s because unfortunately you know some of the other major leaders of the civil rights movement besides martin luther king jr he was the forefront he was really the head of a lot of it because partly because he was the one people would listen to. Yeah, extremely he charismatic. Well, he, yeah, uh, he was very charismatic, very well spoken. Very well spoken, and was and also made very compelling points for both sides mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, and at a time when many of the people that were opposing some of these civil rights uh, acts and rules that they wanted to pass. Uh, were very, very, very conservative. Yes. So having someone who was a preacher yes. get up and talk about these things, the fact that he was a religious man, in addition to being charismatic and well-spoken, also didn't hurt. No. Uh, he he didn't say anything. I, I, like Whenever you watch an interview with him, like you didn't, everything he said, you could tell he thought about briefly before it came out of his mm-hmm. mouth. Uh, one of the things I remember, yeah. One of the things I remember uh, looking at when it was on, I think it was on Twitter uh, in the last sort of year, was uh, him talking about lifting up a, a man by your bootstraps is great and all, but when the person you're telling that to doesn't have boots, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so basically, he, very 
like talking about things in a roundabout way where it's like, okay, yeah, now I can understand where, where you're coming from and that kind of thing, which is what the, 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 the movement needed, uh, mm -hmm. which is why it didn't really go much past uh, his assassination, which is unfortunate. Yeah, well, and unfortunately also, um, you know, he he was really the head of it also in terms of the peaceful aspect of yes. the movement, the marching and the, the really trying to keep things as peaceful as possible. Peaceful protests, yeah. Um, yeah, the peaceful protests, because there were other civil rights movement leaders like Malcolm X who were much more polarizing and much more aggressive and violent with their protests. And I can definitely understand why they why they were angry. Like, if I were in their position, I can't imagine I would have been happy by any means at all. But a lot of people didn't respond well to that, in particular because one of the things, one of the stereotypes that got put onto African-American men, in, specifically African-American, yeah, yeah. African-American men at the time was that they were violent and savage and aggressive. Which is another reason that Dr. King was so successful in marching because mm -hmm. never yeah, once did he was they, none of those things yeah, never once did he even advocate for any kind of violence no. as well so having that be the stereotype that people are expecting yeah. and then having this very well-spoken very calm very charismatic gentle man come up yeah. and talk about these things that have happened to him and his family yeah um definitely was an eye-opener for a lot of people that weren't aware of it or that had blinders on and it made a much bigger difference than just someone who was being aggressive and attacking. Yeah. Um, so, like Russ said, when he was assassinated, unfortunately, it really kind of cut the feet out from underneath the civil rights movement at the time. Yeah. And that actually reminds me, the one, th um, one thing we did forget to mention just now when we were talking that yes. I personally think is an important ruling um, for various reasons, mm -hmm. is uh, the decision in 1967 in the Loving versus Virginia case. There's actually oh, a movie about this yes. for anyone who wants to go look it up. It's called Loving. Mm -hmm. But that particular law, or, yeah, that particular um, court case dealt with an interracial couple. Um, the man was white and the woman was African-American. And um, their last name was Loving, which I think is very apropos. But they got married. They went to a state that allowed interracial marriage and then went back to Virginia, where they lived, that was a state that didn't allow interracial marriage. It was illegal there. And um, so they went up against the court to uh, argue that they should be allowed to be married. And the ruling of the court was, yes, there's, you know, this, this is unconstitutional they should be allowed to get married and so that was um the ruling that legalized interracial marriages which was a big one for uh, for various reasons and you know for someone like myself who's biracial because my father is white and my mother is japanese american um <laughs> you know for someone like me this kind of a ruling is a big deal because yeah. if that ruling hadn't occurred there's a lot of people like myself who have a mixed race background that yeah. wouldn't exist yeah so it's very important to you uh it's, mm -hmm. and it's very important just to people in general at least it should be so yeah yeah i think i think the story of love being uh important enough to 
get those laws changed is a nice place to end with this, I think. Yes. Just because it's, it's a nice sentiment. Things are better than they used to be. They can always still be better because we're, mm-hmm. we're human. We're never perfect, but as long as we all keep trying to better ourselves, we'll get there in the end. I hope. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, all we need to do is actually keep these kind of struggles for everyone that has happened, had them, not just Af- African Americans, but you know, like LGBT mm-hmm. sort of things. We just need to keep it all in in our head as much as possible, and actually think about it as much as we can to, you know, set up a nice, welcoming place for everyone. Oh, there we go. A little bit yes. more. That's a little bit of an idealistic <laughs> viewpoint, but it's it's also true. At least, at least to me, without being political or anything, I just want people to feel safe and happy uh, in their in their own environments. That's all I want. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you for listening, guys. <laughs> uh, maybe next week we'll have a less impactful topic but I still think and I think Heather agrees that this is still something important to talk about yeah Yeah. it's definitely something that I think everyone needs a sort of a crash course reminder on at least occasionally especially stuff about like how bad it used to be like the three-fifths compromise and stuff like that because I I think a lot of people hear it once in history class in high school and then forget about it after yeah um, but the fact is, is like in that in that particular situation, so oh yeah, that's three fifths of a person, three of those three people can to vote, but they still didn't get to vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I know. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. It does. We do need to think about it. Uh, in general, if you want to talk to us about this kind of thing, you can find us in the Nerdsmith Discord. We're always in there. Just tag us. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. see it. Um, because yeah, we're happy to talk about any of the topics, including this one. Obviously, definitely not my country. I'll, but if you've got a question about my country, I'll happily have a look into it and see what I can find. Uh, we in general were at least a little bit more tolerant with people of color, although it, was, you know, it still was bad. Then got better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean. That's really all you can hope for, I guess, is that it gets better. Anyway, thank you for listening to us ramble. Thank you for listening to us talk about something that's important to both of us. Um, Mm -hmm. With all that said, we will get going for the week. We hope you're all doing fantastic. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself.